Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Astrology for Beginners podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Kate Boucher, and I am so happy to have you here. This is the podcast for you if you have ever wanted to learn how to read a natal chart or were kind of interested in astrology and wished that you understood more about it, but you didn't know where to begin or it seemed too complicated and you didn't have the time or maybe the resources to invest in learning it. My goal is to break things down for you episode by episode in the most simplified way that I can so that you can learn to speak the language of the stars. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Now, today's episode is going to be a fun one, I think. I'm really excited about it. I have a few things that I want to cover. The main thing, of course, as you probably guessed from the title of this episode, is that we're going to be talking about the big three in astrology. The big three being your sun, moon, and ascendant signs, and how they work together to create you as the person that you are at a basic personality level. Now, as I've said on this show several times before, all of the parts of your chart play a role in making you the one-of-a-kind, unique person that you are. All of the planets, especially the personal planets, All of the angles, the asteroids, the aspects that all of those things form with one another, all of it. But the big three are especially significant and are called the big three because they really are about your personal identity. Your sun, moon, and rising signs work together to influence your character, your motivations, and the way that you see the world. So we're going to talk about each one of those things, and then I'm going to use a celebrity chart as an example so you can see how the big three work together when we're talking about an actual person. But first, before we get into all of that, I want to talk for just a few minutes about something really simple that you can do now, given everything you've learned from this podcast up to this point, to begin reading your own chart. Because I do think that you've learned enough to start applying your new knowledge and getting some practical hands-on experience. The whole point of this podcast is for you to learn how to read your own chart. And even though there's still a lot left for us to cover and talk about, you can use the things you already know to start getting a, a better understanding of yourself and why you are here. You've learned a lot already. We've gone through what a natal chart looks like and how it's constructed. That's huge because people usually don't know what it is they're looking at the first time they see one. And we've covered the 12 houses and the parts of your life that each one represents. And we've covered the signs and the types of energy that each one of those embodies. And those things alone... Once you're able to start blending the signs and the houses together, can tell you a lot about yourself. So that's what this exercise is going to help you with. It's going to help you blend your particular signs with your particular houses and see how that might be playing out in your life. So here's what I'd have you do. You can take a sheet of paper 
just a regular old 8 by 10 sheet of notebook paper and make three columns side by side. In the first column, make a vertical list of the house numbers 1 through 12, along with just a few words to remind you of what part of life that house represents. So for example, next to the first house, you might write something like the self, body, and outward persona. And for the second house, you might write values, self-esteem, and personal finances. You get the idea. You'll do that for all 12 houses. And then in the second column, next to each house number, you'll write down the signs that rule each particular house in your chart. Now, remember that to do that, you'll need to pull up your chart and you'll look at the sign that the cusp of each house falls into. The cusp is the line where the house begins when you are moving counterclockwise around the wheel. So look at where each house cusp falls and write it down in the second column next to the house number. Now, the third column is where you get to practice interpreting your chart because now you can look at a house number and you can look at the sign that rules that house for you, which you've written down, and you can start thinking about how the energy of that sign might be showing up or has shown up in the part of your life that that house represents. So that energy could be showing up either through your outward experiences or through your personality or your desires, even if those desires are mostly still unrealized or something like that. And to give you an idea of how this might look in a real chart, let's just say, as an example, that you look at your sixth house, which is associated with your daily routines, work, and health. And you see that the sign ruling your sixth house is Pisces. How could we interpret that? Well, Pisces is, as a sign, very fluid. It's a water sign, after all. And it's deeply emotional, considered perhaps the most sensitive of all the signs. It's highly compassionate and service-oriented in the most altruistic of ways. Uh, this is a sign that wants to heal people and tend to people and soothe people in many cases. Pisces has a very strong connection to divine energy, and it's very spiritual and interested in connecting to higher realms of existence. Uh, and it's very creative and imaginative because creativity and imagination tend to happen when someone has an energetic pipeline connected to source energy all the time, the way Pisces does. So with Pisces in the sixth house of work and routines, that could tell you that the person in question likely carries out their daily life or completes their daily tasks in a very Piscean way. It could be that this would be someone who brings a strong sense of spiritual connectedness, for example, into their everyday life or um, into everyday or seemingly mundane experiences, right? Like 
the person who can see the blessedness in everything from the flower they saw growing through the crack in the sidewalk on their morning walk to the near spiritual experience they had while eating a delicious bowl of soup for lunch to appreciating the divine beauty of the bird that flew over their head when they were on the way to their mailbox. In other words, this could be someone who sees the ordinary in an extraordinary way. It could also be that this person would rely on their intuition a lot as they go through their day and that they would be very fluid about how they lived through each day rather than having a more fixed routine that they felt like they had to stick to no matter what. This energy might not like set routines all that much, and they might feel confined or even trapped by any schedule that seems rigid to them. A Pisces in the sixth house person probably wants space and time to flow the way they want to flow. Pisces is a very dreamy sign, remember, so this placement can also be an indicator in some cases that uh, they would have a hard time tending to the more mundane details of daily life because they get lost in their imaginations and in their uh, creative thinking. It can be hard to focus on the quote-unquote boring stuff or the stuff that doesn't fill them up on an emotional level with this placement. So maybe this person would make a wonderful graphic artist, for an example, but not a great accountant. And this is a good point because the sixth house is also the house of work and more specifically employment. Um, and so people with Pisces here can do really well in professions where they get to use Piscean qualities. So artistic and creative jobs can work well for them. Any job that requires a lot of compassion or a desire to heal people, the healing arts are a possibility, as is spiritual work, clergy even, uh, could fit here. Regardless of the specific path one takes, though, the main idea here is that you would ideally want to be doing something for work or filling your day as much as possible with tasks that really tap into this Pisces archetype. Because if you don't, daily life is not going to be that fulfilling, frankly. Also, the sixth house uh, rules over pets and small animals. So with Pisces, the sign of compassion here, a person with this placement is likely to take very good care of their pets. They may be animal lovers uh, who become very, very devoted to their furry friends. Just figured I'd, I'd throw that out there also. Okay, so... Hopefully that gives you some idea about how this exercise works. I urge you to give it a try. You do not have to sit down and do all 12 houses at once. In fact, I suggest that you don't do that. Maybe just do one or maybe two at a time. Uh, think about each house and each sign combination carefully. Walk away, digest it and come back later and do another house on another day. Because I think you'll get more out of it that way than uh, simply by rushing through. All right, so let's get into the big three because I know that's one of the things we've all been waiting for. 
I'm going to start with your rising sign because your rising sign is your outward identity and what people see first when they interact with you. Your rising sign, of course, is the sign that rules your first house and it contains your ascendant line. Remember that your ascendant line is the exact degree of the sign that was rising on the eastern horizon at the moment of your birth in the specific location where you were born. It is one of the most important parts of your whole natal chart, and some might argue that it's the most important part of your chart. And this is in part, of course, because it determines what's in the first house, uh, which is the house of self, and it's where your chart begins, and therefore where everything else in your chart is also going to be. It's the launching point for you. Your rising sign is also the version of you that gets projected out into the world the most on a day-to-day basis. And it is the you that most other people see when they interact with you, both in terms of your physicality and in terms of your personality. Your rising sign does show up in your physical body or your outer packaging, if you will. Lots of people are carrying around features and uh, a physical appearance that resembles the traits or archetypes of their rising signs, at least to an extent. So for example, a cancer rising might have a rounder shaped face, for example, or a, a kind of luminous or almost lunar appearance because the sign of cancer is ruled by the moon. Or a Scorpio rising might have a type of look or style or quality about them that seems sultry and mysterious somehow. But it's not just about how you look in terms of physical features. It's also your general demeanor, your mannerisms and facial expressions, the way you dress or present yourself, uh, the type of style you might gravitate to toward. Um, so lots of the things about you that can be detected visually can be due to your rising sign, in addition to other signs that may also comprise some of your first house. But more importantly than all of the physical stuff, your rising sign is your social persona. It's the you that shows up at dinner parties or office meetings or neighborhood cookouts. It's the you that talks to the barista while you're ordering coffee at your local cafe. It's the you that shows up on a first date. And, you know, it's even the you that interacts with your family, friends, and closest loved ones for most of the day or on most occasions during all of the more mundane moments in life when you're not in your most vulnerable state. This is kind of our default social setting and where our personalities spend most of their time. And that's because our rising sign also is kind of like the filter that everything else in your chart, including your sun sign, um, gets filtered through before it reaches the outside world. If you could imagine for a moment how when you're having a conversation with someone or you're in some kind of situation in your daily life and you're having thoughts or feelings about what you'd like to say or do, but something in your mind is filtering those thoughts and feelings 
uh, before they come out in order to decide what it actually, what you actually should say or do, or it's trying to find some kind of perspective on the situation that is actually going to be helpful. That is your rising sign at work. That is you filtering a life experience through your rising sign. Your rising sign very much represents your general approach to life and your outlook on life. So you could have two people with Aquarius suns, for example, but one of them might be a Leo rising and therefore is filtering their Aquarius nature through a Leo filter before that Aquarius nature reaches the outside world while the other person is a Virgo rising and filtering their Aquarius nature through a Virgo filter before reaching the world. Those two Aquarius individuals are going to come across very differently because they're using different filters, even though they have the same sun sign. Now, your sun sign is the part of yourself that dwells beneath your social persona. This is who you are at a core level. It's the part of you that can determine your deepest values. It can determine what motivates you or drives you in life. It's related to why we do the things that we do. Not as many people get to see this part of you. Uh, most everyone gets to see your rising sign. But with the sun sign, people usually have to get to know you a little better. They have to get to know you well enough in many cases to see what makes you tick. The sun sign is also about your life's purpose. It represents the overarching theme for your life and the types of lessons you came here to learn and work on. Again, before people start learning a lot about astrology, they often have the misconception that everyone is supposed to act like their sun sign all the time. And of course, that's not necessarily the case. What's more likely to be true is that we spend more time behaving like our rising sign, while the sun sign is more about what we're learning how to be. And it might not always be easy to do because it's what we're learning how to do. So your connection with your sun sign typically grows with age as you get better at it. So it's a good indicator of what you're supposed to be growing into, as well as what is going to bring you a very deep sense of fulfillment. With sun signs, of course, you're going to also want to look at the house that your natal sun is in, because that shows you where in your life it is that the qualities of that sign are meant to shine through. Uh, the placement of your sun sign is about where you have the potential to shine. Okay, now I want to talk about the moon. And the moon is really, really interesting. I wish that pop culture spent more time talking about people's moon signs than it does. If we knew everybody's moon signs before we started interacting with them, we could make such beautiful connections with people and avoid a lot of conflict, frankly. And that's because your moon sign is your emotional landscape. It represents your subconscious and the innermost version of you. It's the way you experience your life from inside your own mind. I guess 
you would say that it's what life feels like to you or what it feels like to be you. Uh, it indicates the condition of your emotional life. It's what you desire. It's what you wish for. It's what you need uh, in order to feel safe, to feel comforted. It tells you what you need to do in order to practice self-care. It also shows us how we feel about our past or our childhood experiences. The early memories that shaped us show up in our moon signs, as well as how we feel about those experiences, whether you're consciously aware of those feelings or not. And it shows us how we responded to those early experiences psychologically and how we respond to emotional situations now. Sometimes your first gut instinct or your knee-jerk reactions, as they say, come from your moon sign before the rest of you has a chance to filter that response. So again, not as many people see this part of you, maybe only a very small handful who are really, really close to you and who get to see you at your most vulnerable. But even then, it's more about what you're experiencing from the inside of your own mind and, and heart. Okay, so those are the big three. If I were going to encapsulate the essence of what the big three are and how they work together in just a few words, it would be this. Uh, the sun sign is your life's purpose and what you came here to learn and be. Your ascendant is your mode of operating while you carry out that life's purpose. And the moon sign is kind of like how you feel about all of that. So let's see how this might play out with a real person. I am at this moment looking at Beyonce's natal chart. For our purposes today, I wanted to pick one of the most famous women that I could think of to use as an example. Someone with fame that spans across age groups and across genres and across the world, you know, because uh, most of us know at least something about her or her work. And that gives us a context with which we can look at her chart and try and make sense of it. Now, of course, with celebrities, we never really get to know the person behind the public persona, not the way that someone's friends or family would, not even close. And some of what we see when we look at fame isn't even real, necessarily. So we have to keep that in mind. But it is true with some celebrities, particularly in the music industry, that we know far more about their lives than we would ever be able to know about any other person off the street. And that's both because of what we learn about them through their music and what's discussed about them in the press, including what they say in interviews and all of that kind of stuff. So we can see their charts sort of playing out in real time. In Beyonce's case, she is a Libra rising with a Virgo sun and a Scorpio moon. Now, you can pull up any picture of Beyonce and the Libra rising piece will just pretty much pop right off the screen immediately because she is one of those people who really embodies physically her rising sign. Remember that your rising sign influences both your body and your social persona. 
Libra is ruled by the planet Venus, the planet of love and beauty. And Libra risings are often considered to be very conventionally attractive, even stunningly beautiful in some cases. And I think most people on the planet would agree that Beyonce is quite beautiful from head to toe. Libras are known, again, physically for having really balanced features, for being well-proportioned for whatever body type they have. They can all be different, of course. And they're also known for being incredibly stylish. This would be someone who enjoys using their body as a canvas, as a work of art that can be decorated with attractive clothing and eye-catching jewelry or anything else that you can use to adorn the body and make it a piece of art. Now, interestingly, I will note that all of these Libra rising traits are further amplified in Beyonce's chart because of the fact that Venus, the ruler of Libra, and also therefore the ruler of her chart, is conjunct or sitting right on top of her ascendant line. Venus is literally right on top of her Libra ascendant. So in a way, that's like getting a double dose of this Libra energy or this Venus energy or this love and beauty energy. Now, this Libra rising energy is also going to make her not just attractive, but very charming. People tend to really like Libra risings. People gravitate to them because they give off an air of approachability, of warmth, likability, and of fairness. People sense sometimes that Libra is someone you can trust. And that can work really well for someone who is in the public eye and engaged in a profession where they need to build up a large, strong fan base. And she certainly does have one of the largest and most devoted and loyal fan bases in all of music. But I think that one of the most interesting ways that her Libra rising persona comes through is around her concern and care towards social justice issues. Remember that Libra as an archetype is an activist who wants equality and who imagines a world that is balanced for everyone. And so she has used both her art and her life to speak to the things that really matter to her. She's worked hard and continues to work hard to lift up communities of color, to lift up women. She's been a strong supporter of Black Lives Matter and has been unafraid of calling out racial injustice. She's spoken out about climate change, and she's even talked openly about the health and environmental benefits of living a vegan lifestyle. So we can see through all of these things that even with all of the other things that are going on in her life, all of the other accomplishments that she's had and is focused on, it still gets filtered through the lens of her Libra ascendant, and this rising sign becomes very, very visible. This is the way she goes about her life. Okay, so her Virgo sun. This is honestly where I think an enormous part of her success comes from. Remember that your sun shows you not only what is at your core and what's driving you, but also where you have the opportunity to shine when you put the effort in. 
Now, Virgo suns are famous for being insanely perfectionistic, uh, willing to tend to and perfect every little detail of their work, and they're usually willing to spend as much time as it takes to get everything right. Now, Obviously, we're not with her behind the scenes to see her work ethic in action, but I have heard and read that she tends to be someone who exhibits extremely high standards. And I mean, I think you would have to in order to do what she does and to do it as well as she does. And that could look like spending extra time with your lyrics and your songwriting, you know, to find just the right word. Um, It could look like you know, many extra takes in the studio while you're recording, uh, extra time tweaking choreography or perfecting a performance. Uh, Because to a Virgo, every detail matters because each little thing, however small, is part of the bigger whole. The devil is really in the details with Virgos. And they're service-oriented, so it would likely be very important to her from a practical standpoint, that people are benefiting from the work that she puts out. She would want to do work that matters to people. And we talked about the vegan living when we were talking about her rising sign, but I also think that's relevant here too with the Virgo sun, because Virgos tend to be more uh, health-focused than a lot of other signs are. And so making that type of a lifestyle choice could really make sense for her because it works well for her rising sign from the social justice standpoint and also for her sun sign because it's something that could make her healthier and more fit. Now, the Scorpio moon is also really interesting. And I have to say, it's pretty wild how many female pop stars have Scorpio moons. Quite a few of them do. And I think there's a good reason for that. A Scorpio moon typically is an indicator that someone has a really deep and powerful emotional life. And that is something that's very useful for a performer uh, and especially a musician to have. These are very passionate people, even if you can't necessarily see that from the outside. And a lot of times you can't because Scorpio moons like their privacy and uh, they tend to sometimes hide their feelings to avoid feeling vulnerable. But Scorpio, if you'll remember back to our episode on signs, is really good at uh, digging down below the surface and pulling up whatever is there into the light in order to make sense of it uh, and identify it. So this sign can make someone a really good songwriter, for example. It makes someone really adept at uh, analyzing emotions and finding meaning in them. And they're really good at taking intense or even painful experiences and transforming them into something beautiful. And You know, again, a moon sign isn't something that most people are going to be able to see. But with Beyonce, we do get a good glimpse at it because it shows up in her art. If you think about her album Lemonade, for example, um, it was in large part about transmuting a painful set of experiences, as well as 
unearthing and giving a voice to some of the ways that the legacy of slavery impacts Black families. So it's a beautiful example of the ways that someone who embodies this sign can delve under the surface to make connections between the personal and the transpersonal, and then ensure that whatever is really there gets discussed instead of further ignored. Now, Scorpio moons are also, as are all people who have a lot of Scorpio energy in their chart, really good at reinventing themselves. They can reinvent themselves all throughout a lifetime as much as they need or want to. And I'm thinking right now about her new album and the fact that it's a country album, which surprised a lot of people. But it might not surprise people so much in the context of her being a Scorpio moon. Because not only can she reinvent herself at will, but she will thrive on it. She's good at it. Uh, Reinventing herself is her forte. So respect, because she's impressive. Obviously, there is so much more going on in Beyonce's chart. Uh, Her planetary placements are really interesting. And one could argue that this artist was destined for the life that she has. I've only scratched um, the surface with these three signs. But the idea was just to give you a quick idea of the way we want to blend them together as we look at our own charts. And as you go forward, you can move away from telling people that you're a Taurus, for example, And instead start telling people when they ask that you're a Taurus sun, a Capricorn moon, and a Gemini rising. Or something like that, whatever the big three are for you. Okay, it's about time to wrap up for today. But before we go, I just want to throw out there that if you've been listening to this show right along since the beginning, I really want to hear from you. Uh, How is this going? Has the content you've been getting here helpful to you? What do you enjoy? What's been working for you? Or what what hasn't been working well for you? If there are things that you think the show could be doing better, I want to know that too. Because ultimately, my goal here is to make the practice of astrology accessible for as many people as possible and as easy to understand as possible so that more people in the world can start to understand themselves better and love themselves more and love other people more. And so I want to make sure that I'm moving towards that goal as best I can. And you can help with that by sharing your thoughts. To do that, you can leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening from. Uh, That's probably the quickest and easiest way with the fewest number of steps. Uh, If you prefer email, though, you can email me at stephaniekateboucher at at gmail.com. There's a link to that in the show notes. Or you can also find me on Substack, and the link for that is also in the show notes. That is all for today, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and learning astrology with me. I hope you take the time to do the chart reading activity that I described earlier. It's great practice, and I think it's really going to help you. Next week, we'll continue by talking about planets, and in particular, the personal planets, which are Mercury, Mars, and Venus, all super important and informative parts of your chart. In the meantime, though, have a great week, and I will see you next time.